Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 31. The As Sergio mentioned, this would happen a couple weeks ago. We're going to have to start scrapping the bottom of the barrel for names. So we're going to go with one of our buddies this week. We're going to go with Carlo Pinsolio. So hello, Carlo Pinsolio. Because as as I do this, I, I pull up the number history each week. And let's just say it was a bunch of uh, third-choice goalkeepers you can't remember from 10 or so years ago, and then a bunch of youth players who you definitely don't remember from much longer than 10 or so years ago. So let me first bring in the usual trio, and I guess we could call it a quartet since I'm part of it as well, but we've got Sam LaPresse. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? It's going well. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, hey, I just uh, lost internet for a second, but I'm back, just like Carlo Pinsolio. Just when you think he's gone, he's always there. <laughs> and last but not least, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here, as always. Uh, I, I do think that Carlo Pinsolio has, like, one of the better gigs around. Yes. I think being the third keeper at, like, a world-class level team, like, probably one of the better, better gigs around the world. Absolutely. And knowing that he gets to hang out with Gigi Buffon on the bench pretty much, what, 75% of the time these days is uh, not a bad gig. And be paid to do it is not a bad gig. So uh, since this is our final episode of 2020, and may ye be gone 2020, uh, we're going to spend the first part of the episode kind of looking back on a few things that happened, even though it was obviously a very wild year and that Juventus's holiday break because of said wild year and the ongoing pandemic lasted all of about a week. I think they had about six days of rest before they were training again to <laughs> on Monday. So let me just go around the horn and throw out a very easy question, starting with Sam Lopresti. 2020, your thoughts? Ah! <laughs> This was about as crazy a year as as you could possibly imagine. I mean, it's and it's seen such a, a turnover in in the club in terms of just it's a year that has seen Juventus back up to the pack a little bit in, in Italy and see a lot of the rest of Italy get closer. It's, you know, you knew it was going to happen at some point. And, you know, it's a, it's a fair question to ask whether the Scudetto last season would have been Juve's if the lockdown hadn't happened. But looking, looking back... I think it's a it's a year that has showed us how resolute the human spirit can be both overall watching you know the the absolute horrors of the early parts of the pandemic and uh, and make no mistake about it it those horrors are still happening we're just a little more inured to them now and also when it comes to sport you know, seeing leagues, both soccer and everywhere else, baseball, basketball, the NFL here in the U.S., finding a way. And 
I'm not going to try and be prosaic and say finding a way so that people can have, you know, their sports and their, you know, distraction in such a terrible time. We all know that they, they found a way because they wanted to make the money as much of the money that they lost back as they could. I get that. I'm not that, I'm not that naive. <laughs> I don't think any, anyone on this, on this panel is. Um, but the fact that it was done gave a lot of people a lot of, a lot of mental, a, a little bit more mental peace than they might otherwise have, have had as we've gone through this, this horrendous ordeal as, as a, as a, a, a world. So that, that, that's what this says, that says to me beyond Juventus, beyond anything else. I'm getting very philosophical here. I saw, I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, that, that, that's what that, that really says to me. What about you, Chucks? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, as Sam alluded to, there's definitely the societal side of just kind of, you know, what 2020 was about. But then obviously there's also the footballing side. I think, I guess I'll start with kind of a mixture of the two, which is that for me, I think the biggest lesson just this year has been sport, the role of sport or specifically the role of football in society and just in kind of the bigger picture, like what is... A, the importance, and B, kind of the role, I guess, of football. Again, keeping it just to football, but obviously this applies to other sports as well. But uh, what is the role of football in society? And, yeah, what is this, is its importance? We saw this, you know, just in the beginning, kind of in the March period, before all the lockdowns, before basically all of global football shut down. We saw that, especially in the Premier League. I remember specifically in the Premier League, they were basically like, oh, we'll just keep playing, we'll just keep playing. And then I think what was the breaking point was when um, uh, Miko Arteta tested positive. I think he did, yeah, I think he did test positive then. And then people were like, oh, wow, okay, or if uh, Miko Arteta can get it, if like an Arsenal manager, if someone that, you know, in such a big position can get it, oh, okay, maybe we should then like stop it, you know. And it was really kind of a reckoning and kind of a, a, a humbling for humbling moment, I guess, for football, just to see like, okay, maybe, you know, we should oh, get off our perch and get off our, uh, you know, get off our, yeah, slightly inflated image that the footballing world has of itself. But that said, you know, as the pandemic went on, then we started to realize like, oh, okay, there are obviously people like, you know, like janitors and like uh, uh, grounds keepers and ground staff and like just all those kind of you know behind the scenes people that are also affected it's not just you know yeah I mean Messi and Ibrahimovic and Ronaldo and stuff like oh man we don't get to play for a while but it's those you know everyday people that yeah that lose their livelihoods and you know arguably or sometimes unfortunately their lives so you know there's there's kind of that bigger picture but then just within football specifically, or Juventus specifically, uh, I think this year was really one for, to me anyway, it just showed that the, just the real uncertainty I have about just the, the future and just the general management of the club. I mean, just the entire ordeal with Sari and I mean, obviously getting rid of Allegri and then getting Sari and then, and then he didn't have like a really a squad that was for him. And we, he, I mean, still won the Scudetto, but then 
you know, poor performances in the Champions League. And then, okay, now he's gone, but then he's still, I believe we're still paying his salary, if I'm not mistaken. So then Mark, there's that. You are correct. Yeah. And I mean, that's just, I mean, man, <laughs> that is, well, not good, Bob, or not great, Bob. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. And then obviously just a huge leap into the unknown of getting Andrea Pirlo as manager. And just that being indicative of, once again, for me, just the general, just lack of, I think, future direction and just lack of like planning at the club. Again, just in my eyes anyway, just me starting to question like, okay, do we really know what we're doing? Like in terms of upper management, like what's like, what's going on? You know, I never really felt that during the Allegri years, but now I've just, since just the old Sari to Pirlo ordeal, felt that a little bit more but then again you know just the replenishing of the squad I mean you have these youngsters coming in now Chiesa, Kulusevsky, uh, while Morata is not I think he's 27 so he's not super young but he's not old Um, I mean he's technically peak years I mean 27 I think that's you know a peak year He's your age, so you just want him to be young still. He is. I mean, I'm younger than a (laughs) skippy hop and a fish and whatever that saying is. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm fresh, man. I'm fresh. Um, Especially when I cut off my facial hair. But nobody can see that because this is a podcast. But yeah, I mean, youngsters, you know, and the lift, obviously, you know, um, I mean, he came in last season. But just the rejuvenation of the squad, um, I think that's also a big story just of this year really kind of starting last year but anyway continuing into into this year so there's on one hand just that uncertainty and that just kind of lack of direction but then that like wow okay look at the future look look at the squad look at just the the spine of the squad and that future and that's like i mean that's really good yeah i think so yeah all things considered um i have no idea (laughs) i have no idea let's Let's see what the hell happens in next year. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, like a lot of you guys said, just overall as a, as a whole, obviously, it was a pretty weird year, I think, in all, in all aspects, you know, you know, sports being one of the least important ones. But, but considering this is a, ostensibly a sports podcast, we're going to try to focus on that here. But yeah, it's, it's weird because I was, the other day I fell down a, a Juventus YouTube page rabbit hole, which, you know, I... I like poke fun here there at the social media team in Juventus because sometimes they're really corny and kind of suck, but sometimes they're really good. And they like their YouTube page is actually really good. Like they have a bunch of great stuff there. It's very easy for you to get lost in like a bunch of highlights and, and stuff like that. So I was watching highlights and I saw one of the videos for the last Inter match, which I believe was either either one of the last ones to still have people on it and it no was, it didn't have any it was it was closed doors no 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 the, the one in milan like not the one oh in, the inter the yeah the, the first one I, I mean yeah okay so that was and, in october yeah so definitely there were more but i don't know why i seem to recall it was the last one but it, it was definitely <laughs> wasn't one of the last ones i apologize for that but but it did like just watching that and the atmosphere and the people and you could tell it was a big game because it was at that point and and just made me miss it so freaking much because when we started with this whole no people in the stadium thing, I, I just remember thinking, man, this is weird. Like, I, I'm just not going to get used to this. Like, this feels really weird. And, and the sad part is that I'm kind of used to it now. Like, I just don't even pay attention to the fact that, you know, it's empty and there are no people there. And, 
they just pipe in noise to the TV, you know, broadcast. And it, it just, it really is, it's kind of like a microcosm as of how, you know, everything changed so rapidly and football and sports as everything in the world just had to adapt. And, and it really is kind of a bummer that I'm just, you know, getting used to that, getting used to just enjoying the game, enjoying the football without people, without fans, without what makes it really, you know, really worth it. Really, really what makes people so passionate is that there are fans there and that people care and the atmosphere of big game. You can't really replicate that. So just, just one of, one of the many things that we have just had to deal with as, as everything else, just, just deal with it and, and move on and try to make it happen and try to make it work. And, and yeah, just overall, just a very, very weird year for, for a sports watching person, for a sports watching fan. I, I truly hope that, you know, we are at the end of the tunnel, but as, as you all know, as most people know, we're still kind of have some ways to go, but, but yeah, 2020, not a year that I'm going to be, you know, looking back very fondly, to be honest, overall, not, not in a, you know, world type of thing and definitely not on sports type of thing because the team for large parts of time was not very good. So yeah, that, that would be my, my quick recap, I would say. Yeah. And if I could just add something, uh, to what Sergio was saying, I think one of the kind of societal stories from this year slash the pandemic was, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this buzz term um, in many articles you've, uh, you guys have read, but this whole K-shaped recovery thing. So, you know, where basically, you know, the rich like really benefited from, from the pandemic and they, you know, had stock like stocks and they had capital and they, their home prices appreciated and all that. And then, you know, poor people went, you know, down the other side and just really uh, suffered. Uh, well, basically the rest of the population suffered. Um, and I think likewise, you see that in football and specifically I'm, uh, I was thinking about one story that really stood out to me, but that, I mean, it did get a lot of, yeah, okay. It did, did get a lot of potential attention, but it started in the premier league, which was this whole idea that was, mainly driven, I think, by Manchester United and Liverpool, mainly, but I think it had support from other clubs, uh, which was this whole European Premier League idea, which is basically just the Super League, European Super League. And the reason I bring it up is, like, I remember reading one commentary on it that said, you know, isn't it just, like, so cynical that in the midst of, like, a pandemic when clubs are, you know, almost, I mean, on the brink of financial ruin and, like, you know, obviously people losing their lives and like people getting sick. That's when they sneak in this announcement of like, hey, by the way, we got this European uh, Premier League thing going on. Uh, you guys want to join? Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and I agree. I think that was, I mean, frankly, the height of like cynicism to do it, like the, of the timing of it to publish, publish the idea just in, I think it was in October, I want to say. I don't exactly remember when it was published it wasn't too long ago because I remember I wrote about it in one of my monthly recaps so it wasn't too long ago but yeah I mean I think that's just one of those stories again where it's like and again it's showing again how sport or football just mirrors society like you know you have this same kind of issue going on in society of this like kind of peeling away of the rich from like everybody else and obviously you've seen this in football like for many years but now just like it was almost poetic that in the midst of the pandemic, it was like just heightened even more of this, like, okay, let's put a, this super league out. Let's like really push it. And basically, you know, what that w would result in. And I remember the premier league version of it as well. They, 
you know, you had the European uh, Premier League and then you had the idea, I think, just within the Premier League that they would break away from, I think, the championship and then they were going to, they were basically going to pay, which was, I mean, almost like ingenious, really, where the big clubs would just basically pay the rest of the other tiers of uh, English football just say like, hey, here's this big lump of money now, like basically piss off like, <laughs> and just like, you know, go have your own league, go play your own stuff. And then, you know, we have our own like club. And yeah, I mean, I think that just epitomizes really just the societal, what's going on in society. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that was a big story for me in 2020. And, and it is very pertinent to Juventus, obviously, because, you know, I mean, we would likely be one of the clubs that would be in, you know, in this Super League, which obviously has been talked about since as long as I can remember. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, highlight that story. And uh, who knows? I mean, is it going to come back up in 2021? I don't know. I mean, let's see. It's bound to, right? I mean, it, it, it's, it almost – Yeah. In some to. ways, it almost seems inevitable with just how much of a – I mean, obviously, the pandemic has drastically changed the financial aspect of everybody, but – for the you know the biggest clubs there are it it just kind of seems like it's it's inevitable because you just see how much revenue even without fans in the stands that the champions league is able to produce or how much money i should say not revenue but how much money just it's costing just in tv and and everything and sponsorships and all that so yeah i mean super league it kind of you get the feeling a lot of the time that it's just kind of you're just waiting for that last shoe to drop and for it to become a become a real thing huh yeah absolutely yeah yeah and i mean i'll I'll, i'm gonna keep my eyes very you know fixed on that just conversations around that story and yeah we'll see what happens we wouldn't expect anything other than (sighs) thank you thank you you know i I wear many hats and many capes you know to to save dude remember what edna mode said no capes (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know i gotta feel like batman sometimes (laughs) Well, seeing as this is the Juventus podcast, and even though there was a long, very drawn-out lockdown because of the shutdown in Italy as a result of the pandemic, figured we'd have a little bit of fun, even though 2020 has not been all that much fun. So we'll start with Sergio, your best moment of the past 12 months. Here, just number one, there were not that many. Really, it, it was uh, <laughs> we. True. Oh boy! I think everyone in our in our recap pieces of of last season, Sarri's last season, one and only season, uh, we all kind of alluded to the fact that you know, despite everything, despite you know, they did win the league, as Chuck said, but you know, the Champions League exit was kind of you know embarrassing, and the Coppa Italia, well, you know, they, I mean, whatever. It, while the results were never on the pitch per se it was even if they were it was just a drag it was just boring football it wasn't what we were you know promised in a way with the appointment of Mauricio Sarri so there were not a lot of moments that I could point out and be like yes like this was really fun or this was really cool if I had to point out you know I would say and as as we're talking 2020 as as a calendar year uh, I was just really happy with the the incredibly like the incredible form that Alvaro Morata got when he came back to the club. Like it was just such a a heartwarming moment in a in a season and in a year where we kind of really needed that because it was a guy that, you know, I I, I read in the 
you know, into the Calderon, which is the Atletico Madrid block in, in the SB Nation network, you know, that when Morata was presented and, and he said that, you know, he should have never left, that he always loved Juventus, that he apparently does that at every, at every club he plays for. So that was kind of funny. But, but you could, maybe it's just me being biased, but I, I do think that he actually meant it, especially because of what we knew, what we know of his career, right? Like he had his best moments as a Juve player. That's kind of the, the time that established him as like a top tier striker. So I'm, I'm inclined to believe him. His wife is from the, the area. Obviously, he really cares for the region, for the club. And to see him come back with a lot of people doubting him, with a lot of people think that, you know, he's going to be so-so. And then he just, you know, just going to scorch earth on the league, on the Champions League, on everything. It was just really, really fun and, and, and great to see. And, and it kind of reminded you that sometimes, you know, those type of moves where it's just like, you just need to have a guy who's happy to be there and who's going to just, you know, pour his heart out for the club. Sometimes that does make a difference. So I was really happy to see that. And, you know, I think outside of that, just uh, Dybala had some good moments in last season. But, I mean, outside of that, I, I can't really point to a lot of things that really I could say. This was just a really fun time to root for Juventus, which is sad, but it's also, I think, true. I don't know if you guys have, have any other moments that you would like to, to mention. I could go with one in particular in the calendar year 2020 that that spoke out to me and it's kind of bittersweet because you you know we were Sergio you and I were we were talking for just a second about the the second intergame the actual one the one in March that was pretty much the last game in Italy before everything finally shut down I mean as even looking at it in hindsight and and knowing everything that that followed there was something about that game that really does that that really showed to me just how much the guys that are actually on the field care and how much it means like there were no fans in the stands there was a calamity going on you know, it was, you know, here in the U.S. where, and, and North America, Central America, where we all live, it was, we were right on the, we were on the precipice of it. And in Italy, they were, it was pretty much there. And yet, in a game with no fans, to see how much winning that game meant to the Juventus, to the, to the Juventus players, like when, when Dybala scored that, that goal in the second half, which was absolutely freaking brilliant. The entire bench just emptied and mobbed him. And that to me was about as pure a soccer moment as you can get in this era of, you know, modern football and money and, and, and so much other stuff to see the 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 real joy on the faces of these guys as they played a game to no one to just the television cameras and and went that and that that to me was was a was a it was a really nice moment to me because it it just shows you that that sometimes these that that not sometimes all 
they really are just like us when you really come down to it. They're just a lot better at the game than we are. <laughs> that inner game was going to be the one I mentioned. And as you were talking, Sam, I pulled up my post-game thread from that from that game, and I, I had the line with the uh, Dybala goal embedded underneath it. And I said, can you imagine what it would have been like with Allianz Stadium packed and Dybala scoring that goal to basically clinch the win? I mean, it it would have been just deafening noise, and I can't. I can't imagine if it was full. What? How? How many people would have their ears still ringing the next day because of how loud next that reaction week, would have been? Just, so, I yeah. mean, I, I I know Sergio mentioned it. I've I've become kind of I've become pretty used to no fans, and I mean there are, there are good things. I mean I enjoy hearing the the con you know the the interactions between the the players and everything and how they talk because you know and in, in you just times, love hearing Buffon well I love hearing Buffon but just in <laughs> just in general hearing hearing the players interact and I mean with so many different languages and players from different countries on this team it's it's interesting to see how they all interact and communicate and and you know in normal times we wouldn't be able to hear that and you know you you kind of compare the men's team to the women's team where it's all you know it's nine basically nine Italians and a couple of players who have been in Italy for a while. So they're all speaking Italian, but at times, you know, you can hear, you can hear Spanish between say like Alexandro and Arthur, you can hear or Portuguese, I should say, and then Spanish between others. And then, you know, Delict is obviously Chuck's mentioned last week, he's working on his Italian and you can hear different players working in Italian. So it's just kind of a, a mixing, you know, a melting pot of all these different things. So. Yeah, I think that that inner game is the one game that from the the ill, you know, even though we won a trophy, the ill-fated sorry era that really kind of will stick will stick with me even though so much I mean it it's hard to forget that there's there were so many games after the restart happened that it, you know that, that was the last one before the shutdown went into effect. Also just thinking I I think the the same can be said imagine what the sound is going to be like the first time the Allianz gets to be full again and somebody scores a goal doesn't even have to be a crazy yeah. one like that, like the yeah. ball is the, 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 I mean, the place is going to come down. Like they always used to say that the old shit, that Shea stadium here in Queens, if it got too, if it got really rocking, you could feel the entire building sway that uh, like, like that's like, I feel like that would be a possibility. What about you Chuck's? Yeah, yeah, just to comment on, comment on the Inter game. I, I do remember Dybala's second goal. I mean, of course, I remember that. Uh, I just remember his reaction. It was just, uh, it really was just joy. Like, it was pure joy on his face. I remember that, like, how he ran to the bench and just, like, yeah, he was just happy, you know. And that, and that was just, especially considering how, uh, you know, his, his second half of the year, how his fate has... Uh, very much turned. Um, it's just nice to remember, you know, when he just had that, you know, pure joy and that pure skill really on, on the pitch. And, and also the Morata uh, uh, shout out uh, from uh, Sergio. I thought, you know, it's funny because I, I thought of Morata when he came, I remember the podcast actually where we're talking about strikers coming in like Suarez. It, 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 at that point, it seemed like, oh yeah, Suarez is coming. Uh, and that was uh, Jaco and then, uh, yeah, Morata. And I remember I was against the Suarez signing. Uh, and then yeah, Jayco as well. But uh, I remember Morata was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, no, it was Sam. You had brought it up. Like, yeah, what if we what if we get uh, Morata? I was like, 
Oh uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, hell, I mean, I guess that will work. I mean, hell, what, you know, it'll, it'll just plug the hole. It'll fix it. <laughs> like, you know, I remember I was, I was like surprised, like when you brought it, I was like, oh yeah, kind of hadn't thought about that. But you know, I, I saw that as kind of a pragmatic solution, and just I really the way I saw Morata was like he would be kind of a facilitator, uh, a facilitator striker. So as in, he would okay score a few goals here and there, but really his role would be to like make sure that. Ronaldo and Dybala play like really well and like that they score you know that was what I had imagined it as and then he just took off and just you know yeah I mean just banged in the goals left right and center and 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 facilitated goals as well him him and Ronaldo have been I mean a very good combination uh together so that's definitely the I would say the surprise really of uh of 2020 but I do have two other uh mentions (laughs) <laughs> the first one, uh, and sorry, uh, Danny, you're going to have to use the censorship button no. for this one. <laughs> the first uh, highlight of uh, the year for me is Inter not winning. <laughs> the absolute nothing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely nothing. The suckers. I mean, I still thought, you know, and it's always, to me, it's always been a year of like, oh, Inter are going to like be good this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, we cool. We cool. <laughs> no, yeah. I, what are they, Sergio? Suck it They're frauds. They're well-known frauds, always. <laughs> what, what, I, what I really did enjoy is that the, the one trophy that they, they had the best chance to win was the Europa League, right? Like, in the final. They yep. could have won that, which, in my opinion, was was just perfect because it would have established them as the very best of the, like, the second-tier teams. Which to me is what <laughs> everything that Inter can, you know, just really, that's their best case scenario. And they couldn't even do that. So I was really, like, like Chuck said, I, I think that was definitely a highlight of the year so far. Yeah, as, as one of my uh, favorite rappers would say, they're just sucker MCs. Mm, suck <laughs> MCs. That's right. Um, but, but the real, uh, the, the less uh, po- poking fun at moments of 2020 for me was that Barcelona victory, the three nil victory, which obviously was very recent that, yeah, I mean, I think that was to me just because it was so unexpected. I, I truly, I really didn't think we were going to win that three nil. I thought maybe like, I don't know, one nil two one or something, but I absolutely did not think we would win that three nil. And just from that game, that McKinney goal was just, yeah, I mean, it was, Brilliant. I mean, that was just a fantastic goal. That just the victory, the three 0 victory, plus that goal, plus that being McKenney's well, first Champions League goal and second goal overall. I mean, I think just everything within that moment, that definitely was just yeah, the standout positive moment of twenty twenty for me. Mr. USA Chucks trying to anger the Mexican on the call. Sergio, there you go. <laughs> go on then, mate. Come on then. <laughs> that was a good goal. It was a good goal for, I mean, for a guy who played in MLS. Like, what happened? <laughs> hey, Juventus might be getting another guy from MLS uh, from that same youth system. But we'll, we'll talk about that when things are a little more officially official. Uh, I just want to mention a couple other things from the most kind of the memorable side post lockdown the kind of the if you can do it i can do better goals that ronaldo dipala and douglas costa scored against genoa those were pretty fantastic cuz it was just that like, was fun to watch that, i mean it was that fun was... and it was it was just a terrible game up to that point and then all of a sudden away they went and then the the most memorable thing for me from 2020 
in terms of Juventus has to actually do with this podcast. And it, it is the reaction that we had while we were talking about Mauricio Sarri getting fired to Andrea Pirlo getting hired because that, that those reports broke about 40 minutes into us recording our podcast episode about Sarri. So it wasn't official yet, the hiring, but that was basically the sign that said, okay, out of nowhere, here comes Andrea Pirlo after a week of being the under-23 manager. Here is your new fancy car that you have no experience with at all. That was definitely a great moment of live <laughs> radio, even though there's no radio. But it was definitely, I mean, it was fun to react in the moment because, and, and like almost, I don't know, four or five months in, like still feels pretty bizarre that to see him kind of like roam the, the sideline. And, you know, just, just to remember that moment where everything, like we're just throwing names out there like crazy and no one, no one came up with Andrea Pirlo and the fact that he ended up being the manager. That, that just kind of tells you all you need to know about where Juventus is right now and, and just the year overall. Like nothing was, I mean, nothing was too unbelievable for you to, to actually think it could happen. So, yeah, that was also a great moment, I think. Yeah, just to show how long 2020 has been, that happened in August. <laughs> that was four months ago, which yeah, in normal times, it's not that long, but it feels wow. like it's been, been yeah. a while. Yeah, that was surreal stuff. I remember that was just weird. I remember my reaction would be like, you know, like I remember I had a little more uncensored reaction in my I, head. But. Yeah, I was – yeah, I I just remember being so utterly floored as to like – because we had just gotten done a solid 25-minute segment about all of the people that we were anticipating would get the job. And then we just like – there, you know – just throw your it's it's like somebody just ripped the tablecloth off with all the with everything on it and just you know threw the entire meal onto the floor and we were like what yeah as i've told the story a few times to to people just kind of leaned into the mic and was like hey hey guys hey, hey guys <laughs> that's sergio that's, was about to say something and i i remember sergio <laughs> was about to say something and i was like why is he interrupting sergio <laughs> Before we get to Champions League talk, just uh, one last kind of look back at 2020. Who would you guys say was Juventus's best player of, of 2020? Matthias Delict. Thank you, Chucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first name that popped up in my head, yes. But I was actually, I was still thinking about it. Just, thanks, Sam, for stealing my You're phone. welcome. Um, I still got to think about it. Uh, I think just... I would have two guys on the top of my mind. I think definitely the league is one. And just from a, you know, goal scoring output, you have to put Cristiano Ronaldo out there just in the, in the calendar year. I, I don't have the number right, right here with me, but I'm, I'm, I feel pretty confident he probably was the guy who scored the most amount of goals for Juventus in the calendar year. So I, I would definitely have to put him there too. But I, I have to agree with, with Sam, and I hate that we're all going to go chalk, but the league, I mean, not only for his play, which was pretty damn good, but especially in the second half of, of Mauricio Sarri's season and what we have seen so far for, from him in the Andrea Pirlo era, he's just been really, really, really good. I mean, if he stopped improving right now, if he just didn't improve not even a little bit more for the rest of his career, he'd be a top 10 center back in the world right now 
and to think that he's 20 years old, he still has tons of room to improve. Like, it's scary to think how good he will, like, he, he already is and how good he will become. And, you know, besides that, just the fact that he played for so long with the dislocated shoulder and kind of like gritting his, his teeth and kind of like just powering through and still being that linchpin in the back that the team needed. I mean, that just showed such, I mean, that's what you want from a central defender. That's what you want from, from a guy on your team, just to, to really just give it everything he's got. And, and that's why I, I agree with Sam. I think, he was, I think he was the best player for the team in, in the year, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that Juventus needs to, like, just install an ATM in his house that's just linked to the club's money so that he can just take out whatever he wants at any time. So in other words, make him the Federal Reserve. <laughs> yeah, right. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> Dutch Reserve. Dutch Reserve. I, I think that, you know, we, we, we made a, a passing reference to the possibility of, you know, making him captain and, you know, jumping the rest of the line a couple of weeks ago. But the more I watch him play and the more I watch him also not just play but lead while he's on the field – it's not so tongue in cheek for me anymore. I kind of really want that to happen because I think he's well on his way to deserving it. And, and he's just also, he's just the most consistent guy and he really is a leader in the back at half the age almost of, of some of the guys that he plays with. It it really is remarkable just to just how, how fully how how fully he knows his craft already and that's before he learns all the dirty tricks that we can teach him in Italy and and you know all the other stuff and and as Sergio said can he just continues to naturally improve because he's only 20 years old 21 years old i i think that he's going to you know the chances are that he's going to be in the running for best player of the calendar year for Juventus not just this year but next year and however many years he plays for Juventus, which I hope is a lot of years because he's, he's that damn good. Yeah. I imagine sometime next season. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I imagine like next season, those conversations will become more solid or like more, yeah, more concrete about, you know, potentially fast tracking into captaincy, uh, especially depending on, you know, I think I said that last episode, just kind of the state of our four captains or so right now of Bonucci, Chiellini, well, not in order there, but Bonucci, Chiellini, um, Dybala, and Alexandro. Yeah, just kind of, you know. Bound to be some contract talks in there as well, I'm assuming. Yeah. Coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think, hey, yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, just those conversations of, you know, his captaincy of next season. But yeah, besides those players, I guess for my uh, pick, uh, besides, yeah, the Licht, um, I guess, uh, kind of honorable mentions to, uh, uh, to two other players, to Juan Cuadrado, of course, uh, especially for his second half of the calendar, calendar year, I should say, so the beginning of this season. And Adrien Rabio, of course, he ended, you know, he ended last season really well and then also started this season just extremely well and just has become extremely important in this midfield uh in the central midfield so i you know i think he he gets 
yeah, Cuadrado and Rabio get, yeah, two honorable, honorable mentions as well. All right, let's wrap things up with a little Champions League talk. Obviously, we've been so busy with other Juventus things going on. We haven't actually had a chance to talk about the Champions League draw that happened a few weeks back. So I will now turn it over to the man who, on the same day that we're recording this, wrote about said Champions League opponent, Porto. Uh, And then I assume we've got a certain Mexican on the podcast that has a little bit of beef with said author. Let's, yeah, let's get yeah, our boxing gonna, gloves, Shucks. Yeah, I'm gonna. No, the, I'm not gonna be wearing the gloves. I'm just gonna be wearing the headgear uh, <laughs> after that miss. That was a big miss. Um, I'm just gonna put on the helmet and 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 take them once I'm done. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think I like I said in the in the piece that I wrote. I, I don't think the draw could have gone much better, and I don't think anybody would really say otherwise. Of course, we said that last year, and look what happened. I mean, Porto, there's, there's no, there is no easy team anymore in, in this, in this tournament. There are no more French Varoches. Ah, I had to say them again. Uh, there are no, there are no more, uh, you know, there are no more Dinamo Kievs. Now it gets serious. And while on paper, Juve would definitely be the favorites, Porto is a team that can, that can cause Juve problems. The question, I think, based on on what I've analyzed is it comes down to two things. One, can Juventus win the midfield battle? Because that mid, the midfield really, especially with the way Oliveira is playing for them right now, he's their leading goal scorer. He's just really their main engine. If they let Porto's midfield get a hold in the tie, especially early in the, at the, Estadio Dragao, I, I don't assume there's going to be fans there, but still, other guys' stadiums. That's going to put a lot of pressure on the Juventus back line because that can really cause some, some issues. What really is, I think, the biggest question in the tie is which version of Porto's defense is going to show up because they've been really inconsistent. You know, they've they kept clean sheets in five out of their six Champions League games this year. The only team they gave up goals to was Manchester City when they lost 3-1 to one in the opening game. But they're also, in an 18-team league, they're 13th in defense. They've given up 15 goals in 11 games. And in the, as of the time of our recording, the team that is rock bottom in Portugal has actually given up one fewer goal <laughs> than, than Porto, who are in third. They've given up at least three or more goals in league play three times. So they, they are as liable to shut you down as they are to totally implode on themselves. And sounds a little Barcelona E doesn't it? It does with, with players that are less famous. Yes. Um, (laughs) But it's going to be really interesting on those two fronts. And also, and this is, this is the, the, the point where, the, our resident Mexican will will give me a thumbs up on because I actually get, uh, shot him a DM last night while I was doing my research to talk about Augustine Marchesin. This guy scares me as a goalkeeper. Like he's good, and he's he's the kind of guy that can that I feel like could ease very easily over the course of one or both legs go Stefano Sorrentino and just not let anything in and start making all sorts of crazy saves to keep Porto close 
at which point all bets start start to start to end up off. So it puts a lot of onus on on anybody in a scoring position, especially guys like Ronaldo, Dybala, Morata, to be as clinical as possible. Because if they're not exactly right, if they give Marchesin a chance to save a ball, he can get there. I've seen a couple of highlight videos where he, like, you know, he ha- he had to anticipate one way or the other in like a one-on-one, and the guy goes the other way, and he just like sticks out some weird body part that you would not expect to be able to get to the ball, and ends up making contact and getting the ball away. His ref- his reflexes are insane. It really makes me wonder how the heck Argentina's never given him more of a role in their national team setup, given how terrible their goalkeeping has been the last couple of the last World Cup cycle or two. He was excellent in the Mexican League for a long time. And he had a very good year last year coming in to replace Iker Casillas, which was you know, also big shoes to fill, even though he was in the twilight of his own career. So yeah, I, I think that really what it comes down to is, can Juve, can Juve keep the midfields reined in and, and get the upper hand in the midfield themselves? And will the Porto defense show up or will they face plant? You may now aim and fire, Sergio. Yeah, no. I agree 100% with, with everything you said in the sense that Porto, there's, there's no slouches. There are no slouches. Like, they're a good team, and, and it's not going to be an, an easy walk through the park to beat them, that's for sure. But like you said, I mean, at this point, what are your options, right? And from the available options, I think Porto is it's a manageable side. It's a good side. It's a side that could definitely give Juventus trouble. But, it, you know, it's a, it's a manageable game as well. So, I think that they should be favored. I think that, you know, again, they were favored last year as well. So who knows? But, but I think uh, overall, I think there's going to be a good couple of matches. The one thing I did, you know, the, the one thing you guys are referring to is that Sam Spees, which is really good and, and you all should read. And, and I agree with, with most, pretty much every one of his points is that, but he failed to mention one of the most important guys in that Porto side, which is Jesus Corona, which is a, a Mexican winger. He was, actually named the best player in the Portuguese league last year. He had his best year by far, over 20 assists uh, overall in all competitions. He was just a, a monster, and he's, he's playing in a really good form right now. Uh, you know, I think from all I've heard and from all I've read, he should be right now in the Premier League or in La Liga or something like that if, you know, if we didn't have the, the, whole, the whole thing that's going on right now. So, that was the one thing that I was like, okay, Sam, what's up? Like, is it, is it a Mexican bias or, or what are we talking about? Here? <laughs> uh, what, and and I, I, I said this before, I said this before we started recording, but I just want to put it on record too. Is it like I, when I do these kinds of articles, I try to look through and kind of guess who's going to play where it, uh, in like a, in a, con- you know, a more or less concrete formation that Juventus might be able to face. And when you look at where Corona has been, you, uh, Sergio, you put it really well before we started uh, to hit play. The, he's very much been kind of a Juan Cuadrado in that he's been playing kind of all over that right side of the Porto uh, formation this year. And so I, I never, you know, he's, he's listed as having a couple of games in every single spot, but he's never really like the, the top guy in any one spot because he does everything. And that caused me to overlook him, which was a really stupid mistake. 
I will also use that to point out one other point I made in the in the, that piece, which is that that's kind of a thing about Sergio Conceição, the manager at at Porto and his style in general is that there doesn't, there is it, that is so fluid that team. Like, like I know that the, you know, the who scored formation listings sometimes don't quite get things totally spot on. But if you look at those listings, it says that he has used at least nine different formations this year, which like, you know, I always, you, you know, I thought that Max Allegri was bad when he would just mess with crap for the sake of messing with it. Like that, is like another level entirely. But it also it also points out one to me that the preparing for for this game for, for these ties pre-game is going to be a bit of a guessing game for Pirlo and it's going to a lot of how these games turn out is going to be how Pirlo reads to what Conceição is doing in the moment and reacts and tries to change the team and I actually think that that could bode well because one of the things that I think Pirlo has done best as a manager this season, that he's had a couple of hiccups towards the end of, of the year where I think he maybe didn't do quite as well as he could have, but er, you know, earlier on in the season, he made a couple of really good in-game moves to, to change games, to switch things around, switch the switch, maybe not switch the formation, but to definitely switch the focus of, the attack into areas that that looked that looked more vulnerable. That's going to be a really big key for a, a when you're playing against a coach that is as malleable as Conceição seems to be, to to be able to to roll with those punches and find a weak spot in the moment. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. Actually, uh, just one quick thing. I thought I thought the Jesus going. I think was very funny. By the way, I just I thought it was an entertaining little uh, little battle between a uh, sparring battle between our uh, two residents. Uh, no, there was writers. no battle. I just lay down. That was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one one other thing just about uh, Porto in general. I think you know. With with Juventus, it's 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 one of two things with like the round of sixteen. It's like okay, we either get like a really really good team like a Bayern or something, which okay that makes us that humbles us all and that makes us think okay we're the underdog, but like you know we're gonna give them everything, we're gonna give them hell and like you know I mean generally we've put out really good performances in against like you know the big dogs in like round of sixteen and quarterfinals etc. Or we then have the uh, really really like low team. And then we think, oh, yeah, we got this easy, you know. And then, well, yeah, we end up messing it up. And I actually thought that the perfect opponent for a round of 16 uh, for this year would have been, like, Sevilla. I think they're just big enough where, like, we don't think, oh, it's just a small team, you know, no worries. But they're just small enough that it's, like, not, you know, that it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's doable that it's that we could – negotiated but i mean that said i think porto still are in that kind of middle ground of like still definitely very good but i mean frankly doable and i and i feel like juventus needs a team like that like a a team in the middle that like isn't like you know real madrid or bayern or something but also isn't like i don't know uh, i don't know name whatever like small i don't know the smallest team from Anyway, name any kind of small team, like a Ferencvalos or something. Hey, I said it too. There you um, go. We're not <laughs> done with them just yet. No, I'm just when I thought I was out. 
pull me back in. <laughs> so that's that's you so. But yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, Porto kind of a middle of the ground team, and I think that's generally good. But I'm still just cautious that it's going to be one of those banana peel fixtures that you know, basically like Lyon last year, that we just find a way to magically mess it up. But I'm a, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely more optimistic than last year, last year's tie, but still cautious. Yeah. If you're not at least a little bit cautious after the Lyon experience of last year, then I don't know who is. That concludes another episode of The Old Lady Speaks. And the final one of 2020, we are barreling towards our one year anniversary in a couple of months. So make sure to get your party reservations, your socially distanced party reservations in store. So as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Juventus Nation on Twitter at Black and White and Red All Over on Facebook. You can also follow us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. All three of those search Black and White and Red All Over. We should pop up. Uh, If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. So for Sam and for Chucks and for Sergio, we all say a happy new year to you all. Happy new year. Happy new year. And because this is Serie A and we only have three days worth of a holiday break, we'll be talking Juventus action once again next time. So for my three cohorts on the podcast, this is Danny saying thank you very much. Stay safe out there and may 2021 bring us some happy thoughts because 2020 definitely did not. See you guys next week.